This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So again, I want to welcome you to New Church Live today. And in today's service, you know, we want to talk about seeing. And I, I want to tell you, and I'm going to sound like a really curmudgeonly person for these next three minutes. So, so I need you to give me a big yes for permission to be a curmudgeon for three minutes. One, two, three. Yes. yes. All right. So we have permission. This is my curmudgeonly comment. I'm seeing all these advertisements for virtual reality goggles. Do we, do we all know the goggles I'm talking about? They're goggles you put on your face and then you click your iPhone onto them so that, and then it does a little virtual reality thing there. That scares the bejeebers out of me. It's like, oh my goodness. Because I picture this. I picture walking into a room. We have two teenagers. Our youngest are both teenagers. Walking into a room of teenagers and seeing like six of them in the room all with their virtual reality goggles on. Is that entirely possible to see that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's part of that that's kind of cool. I know the first one of you who shows me they have virtual reality goggles, I'm going to want to turn. So I want to say that honestly. And on the other hand, it's like, wow, there's a danger there too, right? There's a challenge. There's a challenge that we create literally our own virtual reality and we stop seeing things as they are. We stop seeing other people. Most virtual reality games, what do most virtual reality games deal with, folks? Violence. Isn't that interesting, right? Uh, I don't think there's a lot in the church world where we're going to do New Church Live with virtual reality goggles. So how is it that we see? And we don't come from it, uh, you know, in a negative way, but, but we come from, yeah, there's a promise. We can actually put that down and pick something else up and start to see a little differently. So that's sort of the context for today is how do we see a little differently and to start seeing a little differently, we're going to stretch a little differently. So I'd ask you to stand up. We have some first time people here today, which is great. So get a little stretch. And what I want you to do is I want you to answer this question with a friend, online audience can text in the answer to me. Who is or was an angel in your life? Like who's somebody who just go, oh, they're an angel. They're an angel. Please share that with a friend. Go. So what I'd like to do is actually run out there actually in the audience and get a, get a few stories from people. I need like three people who are brave enough, brave enough to actually share who an angel in their life is. You know, somebody like when I said it, hearing a lot of great stories out there, who was it for you? So I need like three people to raise their hand and I'm going to race around with this microphone and get an answer. My first question is, do they have to be dead or alive? Either one. Well, my grandfather on my father's side, uh, I feel like he's always, he was always an inspiration when I was a child and gave me uh, encouragement. Like he died when I was about nine years old, but you know what? The memory is so fond and it's so strong that it, you know, it helps me know that I can meet any challenge and and uh, work through any hardship and come out with peace. That Thank is, you. That is great. There's a young man to talk to after this. That was a great one. Who has another one out there, folks, they want to share? 
my friend Gloria Jackson, who is a wonderful Jamaican woman, my husband recently died. And from the minute he died, she was with me for the first week and stayed with me and prayed with me. And we talked over the phone with the minister and we had a wonderful funeral. And it was all because of Gloria and her being able to be very strong in a really difficult time. And what a great angel name, Gloria. Is that like good? Is that good or what? Who wants to share? Do we have a third one out there? There we go up there. You want here? My sister-in-law, Janet Judith Francis, the lesson car Kistner, was somebody who always saw the good and the positive in situations. She was not, um, you know, unrealistic about it. She just saw human frailties as interesting, <laughs> and she supported. She was always looking at ways to support people. Yeah, isn't it interesting? Angels kind of see our frailties as quote-unquote interesting. You know, isn't that fun? Isn't that fun? Isn't that fun? So that's a great list, folks. And it's just to get us thinking, like, like angels and, and, and who they are. And, and do you know, and I think I've said this here before, and, and Delane is going to get the right answer. Angels in Hebrew means what? Anybody know? Messenger. Messenger. Very good, Delane. Give her a round of applause, folks. Of that idea that angels actually means messenger. It's just beautiful. And, and so how do we go through that? You know, and it was, it was interesting thinking about, about angels and what's the message and, and how can we be that message for each other and how can we see? And I, I went over to visit little Mila and, and Mila's gonna get baptized too. And I was visiting with her family and her grandpa Mike's sitting right there and he's holding her and without missing a beat, he just goes, Oh, she's an angel. She's an angel. And it wasn't like, well, I wonder if she's an angel. Or could she be an angel? What do you think, Chuck? It's like, no, she's an angel. Even when she peed on the couch 20 minutes later, she was still an angel. And and when do we stop seeing that? When does that kind of end for us? And maybe there's choices we can make where it doesn't have to end, where it can actually be something much bigger, where we can start to really see heaven all around. You know, an, an interesting piece from New Church Theology is this. this is, I love this. It can never be said that heaven is outside of anyone. So don't think of heaven as like some exit on the turnpike that you have to travel to. It is, please say the W word there. It is, it is within. It's within. Because every angel accepts the heaven that is outside in keeping with the heaven that is within. Boy, there's a lot of beautiful theology in there. So there is a heaven within each of us, within each of you. And when we get to really live into heaven is when we see the outside world and we accept, we accept the heaven that's out there. And it's all over, folks. Like if I was to ask you to identify your heavenly moment at Thanksgiving, every single person here would be able to come up with at least one little sliver of it. And in that acceptance, it matches up with the heaven that's within, 
And we get a chance to really understand what heaven actually is. And I find it really beautiful that actually our language even reflects this. Look at this, this language piece here, folks. Once I'm being asked by the Pharisees, this is Jesus, when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. So the kingdom of God's in our midst. Ready for this? (laughs) That means the kingdom of God is here. Mitchell Performing Arts Center. I'm going to Bertuzzi's for lunch afterwards. I know it's going to be there. It's going to be with your families today. It's going to be with your families this evening. It's going to be with you throughout the week. It's in your midst. It's not something we have to travel to. It's something we have to open to. Very different. Not something we travel to, something we open to. And we even kind of know that. I love this piece of just basic language. This is wisdom we know. Notice how we use the phrases in heaven and on the earth. Imagine going on on a great vacation to the Caribbean. You're sitting there with your loved one on a lounge chair. You've got a nice little thing with an umbrella on it. (laughs) Which one of those two phrases are you going to use? Heaven. Yeah, heaven. You're going to say, oh, I'm in heaven right now. You're not going to sit there looking at that fruity drink and go, oh, I'm on earth right now. (laughs) Isn't that, like, really think about that. That's really interesting to me. And and you imagine, like, I mean, imagine for a lot of us, there's that moment, right, where we're all around the Thanksgiving table, and it's like, oh, this is it. This is it. And if somebody asked you, you wouldn't say, oh, I'm on heaven right now. It tells you that we know that earth is a place, and heaven is a space. Earth is a place. Heaven is a space, and we can enter into that again and again in incredibly powerful ways. So I want to read you a a story here that that kind of gives a sense of of how angels can look. Now, this story is going to sound a little different. Doesn't that remind you of the junior high school lunch bell, what just happened right there? It's it's a story that on the surface, like, well, what does that have to do with angels? But, But a reminder at the new church, we... We read kind of the literal sense of what the Bible says, and then we also take a dig down and say, yeah, but there's a deeper message here. There's a poetic truth. So I'm going to read this surface level, and I don't want to talk about what the poetic truth underneath it is. And the poetic truth deals actually with how angels see things. Now, this is a story that comes at the end of Noah and the Ark, a story we hold as this beautiful poem that God literally did not destroy the world with flood, but that what God did... It was, was that human beings went through a time where they were sort of flooded, flooded with all kinds of false ideas, false conceptions, as we can be today. And God kind of can save us from that, the, that part of us that can really be pulled out. That's that Noah bit. So Noah goes on, the, the flood ends, Noah's ark comes to rest, they let all the animals out. And that's where we pick up this story. And it's a story that deals with his three sons. And it's a short story here. The sons of Noah who had come out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. These were the three sons of Noah. And from them came the people who were scattered over the earth. So, so in, this, in this old poetic tradition, 
the ark comes out, three sons come out, and, and they're with their wives, and they spread out, they populate the entire world. Noah, a man of the soil, in other words, a farmer, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father's nakedness and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked it backwards. And you you had a picture of this, like between them and they're walking backwards and covered their father's nakedness. Their faces were turned the other way so they would not see. When Noah woke from his wine and found out that his youngest son had done to him, he said, cursed be Canaan, the lowest of slaves, will he be to his brothers. So it's, a, it's an interesting story, story with three brothers, and, and here's a father who gets drunk inside the tent, sitting there without any clothes on. One brother runs in, sees this, and that's where we get to this part here. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father, and please say the T word, saw his father naked and told, told his two brothers outside. Now, now you got to look at the language there. The language there isn't like told like he came and said, dad had a little too much this Thanksgiving. It's not like that. It's broadcast. It has this concept of a mocking broadcast across the whole world, across the whole internet, if they had had it back then. You know, just this broadcast of this, this huge mistake that his father had made. The story is talking there about how when we pronounce that, you know, the, the, the challenge that that can be. Like, there's a part of us that likes to observe those faults in other people and to broadcast them and to do it in a way that, needless to say, is not all that kind. You know, because here was something that was happening inside a tent that was happening privately. And here's somebody broadcasting it publicly. Rule of thumb, always. I think all of us need to live this. Praise in public, correct in private. Praise in public, correct in private. Something we all need to practice doing. And it's interesting with when you look at Ham here, because Ham, it, it's, it's talking about a part of us that I think we all can identify with, and it's a pretty negative space. This is what Ham is all about. That ham part, when we look at kind of the, the, the internal meaning, the poetic sense, ham, what ham does, ham craves to find what is wrong with other people, to condemn and punish, only sees what's evil in others. So it's, it's very much a myopic view of other people. It's constantly critiquing, constantly just looking for things in one way. And again, you'll come back to that, this next point in a minute. Next, next one dismissive of anything good, constantly placing a bad interpretation on it. So if anything good does happen, what does this, what does this part of us do? It makes it, what does it make it? It makes it wrong. You know, so somebody does something nice and they're like, oh, they're just trying to kiss up. You know, even, even the good, they can't even do good stuff. I, I was I was chatting with with uh, with a friend, and they were they were talking about this this relationship that was strained, and this former relationship, and their their former uh, you know partners talking to them, and their former partners being really nice, and the person's like, yeah, they were being really nice. I couldn't stand it. How many of us have done that, right? You know, that's that ham part. We all have it. We all have that part of our lives where even when somebody does something nice, we're sure there's an angle. We can't quite accept it. It's a place where a lot of contempt lives, and it's a place where we mock and broadcast the faults of others. 
And here's kind of the kicker to it. (laughs) Here's the kicker, like, oh dear. The kicker to it is this. And we are religious about it the whole time. We're religious about it the whole time. Folks, think about that first piece of new church theology where we talked about accepting the heaven that's outside with the heaven that's within. Now, as the band comes out, as the band comes out, think about, like, how can you ever accept heaven when you're coming from these places? You're not going to find heaven in your midst. You're going to find lots of concern, worry, fear, contempt, judgment. You're going to find the exact opposite of heaven, which in the Christian tradition, what do we call the opposite of heaven? Hell. Like literally, you will find hell in this life. The beautiful piece is this. If we can accept, if we can accept that at our deepest level, we are angels. At our deepest level, just like little, little Mila sitting on her grandpa's lap, that God does that and goes, yeah, this is an angel. And we can work at seeing from that place, not seeing from our broken selves, but seeing from that core part. We can start to see the world very differently and start to accept, accept a heaven that is out there that corresponds to a heaven that is in here. That angel piece, when we come back, that's what I want to talk about. That's what I want to see if we can just like, yeah, how do we nudge that forward a little bit this holiday season? So here were some from our online audience. Matt, who is sitting beside his wife, very appropriately says, my wife is my angel, which is really true. And Marjorie says her dad, Lowen talks about his great-grandma, Youngie. Walt talks about Evelyn. Somebody up in the Allentown uh, Area talks about my mom, who was on the stage today. wonder who that could be. Another person said Miriam. These are, these are beautiful, beautiful pieces. And, and that bit of like, yeah, we all know that. Like, we all can know that. And we can, we can see people that way. And, and notice, folks, like, if, if I was to list through those people and, those, and those, those people that we call angels and those people in our lives who have been angels to us, were their lives perfect? Yes or no? Can we all say no together really loud? <laughs> no. Like, like the, and the, the, journey, the journey of being an angel is not the journey of perfection. It's not the journey of perfection. It's a very good journey. Not the journey of perfection. Not with the line always going up and to the right. It's far more of a labyrinth, far more of the ins and outs. And somehow those people, they have a way of just kind of, at least for me, kind of giving a sense of like, yeah, there's a holding and it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. Even with the mistakes we make, including having a little bit too much to drink, as we've looked at in this story. So let's take a look. Let's pick that thread back up and look at Shem and Japheth. Look at, look at how they reacted again and talk about something very different, a very different perspective. Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. And again, you think of like a, a blanket and they start walking backwards because they want to give their father some dignity to cover their father's naked body. Their faces were turned the other way so they would not see their father naked. And it goes on to the next piece. 
what do these two brothers actually mean? And here, folks, you have to see kind of these two brothers as life on the outside and life on the inside. Life on the outside, life on the inside. Churches on the outside and on the inside. And the strength that can happen when they weave together. The word integrity means woven. That idea that you take the inner and the outer and you stretch a blanket, there's a weaving that takes place in there, and a weaving and a strength that that starts to pull things together. That's what this is talking about. Shem and Japheth, and this is talking about those angels. This is the angel part. Simple innocence, friendship, and kindness. A place of heartfelt reverence. This one was really interesting to me to read. They see the crucial need for charity or service-based worship. And we're going to talk about that one in a minute. Hardly notice evil in another, but pay attention to everything good and true. And when they see something evil, they put a good interpretation on it. So even when the negative stuff happens, which is going to happen, they're going to do the best they can to put a good interpretation. I'm going to come back to kind of the key point is, but I want to step over here for a minute. What's interesting, folks, with, with this is, is thinking about like how in our lives do our heart and our actions, how does our heart and our actions continue to be woven together effectively? Now, many of you folks are aware we are running a coat drive for Reading, Pennsylvania. It's interesting. It's, it's, it's like one of the best parts of my job. You know, um, Oh, can somebody ask me my, one of my favorite parts of the New Church Live office? You just got to shout it out because I want to answer that question. But who said that? Somebody gave the answer. I wanted the question. You got, you got, the, you got the answer right. So, so what's my favorite part of the New Church Live office? This is crazy. You shouted it back there. What is it? The porch. The porch. Our porch looks horrible. If you are a type A neatnik, never look at our porch. Never. Why? Donations. I mean, all kinds of stuff shows up. Just piles of stuff. And we never promoted it, really. It just kind of started happening. See, folks, think of that blanket. Think of that peace in life where we know, where we know the parts of life are broken. We know there's parts of life that are broken. Ready for this? Broken with very good people. Noah, in this story, represents a very good part, a very good man, or a very good woman, who, like all of us, has this fatal flaw called being human. That of course we'll overindulge. Of course we'll be compulsive. Of course we'll do things that are embarrassing. Of course. Because the angel journey is not perfect. I mean, just a little aside. That's why the Bible is so appealing. If you think the Bible is meant for perfect people, better find yourself a different Bible. Because there is all kinds of screw-ups in there. It's just filled one mess up after another. But folks, do you see this story? Like, you're, you are living this out. 
Now, of course, we could have that hand part that goes like, well, you know, homeless people don't deserve jackets. They don't really need them. They've got plenty. You know, I hear homeless people make $100,000 a year. I actually had somebody tell me that. Like, a homeless person makes $100,000 a year half a welfare. I'm like, no. 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 You're entitled to your own opinion. You're never entitled to be wrong with the facts. This story is living out what Shem and Japheth are talking about. For a church, folks, if we're going to have, and which we do, which is what I, what I love, and I'm so, I'm beyond thankful for it. For a church, that means that whatever the outer church is and whatever the inner church is, whatever our programs are has to match up with our heart. So that's that woven cloth. I mean, I even, you know, it was such a joy going through just doing the newsletter this week with putting in all the great things that you folks are doing because that's that blanket where things start to weave together, where a group goes down to Gift of Life Family Home on Wednesday night. I mean, we were oversubscribed. We wanted to get five people. I think we had 12, 13 people go down for that. We have bags and bags of, of jackets. Our our, our porch looks like the old set of Sanford and Son, for those of you who know that old TV show. But it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Literally, it's like every day I get Christmas because I get to open up and see what stuff people have left. That Shem and Japheth, simple innocence, friendship, kindness, a place of heartfelt rent. Uh, reverence. See, crucial need for charity and service-based worship. Hardly notice evil in others, but pay attention to everything good and true in them. And when they see something evil, they put a good interpretation on it. That's what this is. I say this all the time. We have some first-time attendees, so I'm going to say it again because I love this quote from St. Francis. Preach the word every day and if need be, use words. Preach the word every day and if need be, Use words. Because folks, I'm going to step back over here. We can create this kind of world. We can be part of that. It, it's, it's not always easy. And, and here's, here's again the challenging part. And, and I mean this quite literally. And, and I, don't, I don't have any easy answers to this. I just know as a parent, I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do about it all the time. If we're all walking around with virtual reality goggles... <laughs> It's hard to see. Easy to be entertained. Easy to spend five, six hours a day entertained. I fall prey to that all the time. I watch so much college football this weekend, it's embarrassing. It's so easy to understand. It's so captivating. Because it's exactly the world that we want to see. But it's not the world that is. It's not heaven in our midst. It's a heaven of my own creation. Not me made in God's image and likeness. But my own way of making God, unfortunately, in mine. And when I can try to come from a different place, I, I can, when I can come from a higher place, I can learn this very, very important of truth. And this is what Emmanuel Swedenborg says about angels. Please say that B word really loud. They bend. They bend. 
they bend. Everybody just with your fingers just for a minute. Let's get a little bending in there. You know, just so we remember it kinesthetically. Yes, very good. Looks like you're all waving. Bend everything bad towards good. They're always bending it. Notice the word that's not used there. What's the other B word that's not used there? Break. Break. Not about breaking it. I mean, these problems, these problems, take this. Long obedience in one direction. Long obedience in one direction. Not some great grandiose thing, but that showing up again and again and again and again and again. Just like a grandfather who shows up again and again and again and again. That's what this story can start to pull us towards. Then what do we start to do? Then we start to find heaven within. We start to find heaven in our midst. We start to accept this heaven. We start to look at the world and not go, nope, I'm not taking on that virtual reality. Give me goggles. We start to actually see the world as it is. And and parts of that world, I promise you, I promise you, parts of that world, maybe not the whole thing, parts of that world will resonate with the heaven that is within your soul. And that, what do we know when those two match up? Simple telltale sign, joy. That's where joy happens, when that connection is made. Now, I want to show you a video as we wrap towards the end here. And and this is a beautiful video. And I want you to kind of see the ham part, the part of that's just very judgmental, that's just seeing all the problems, that just sees everything wrong, 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 wrong. Versus the part of the other two brothers who are constantly seeing what is right, constantly seeking to help. It's a story of a homeless man who's kind of caught in the middle. He's a homeless man. He's a panhandler up in Chicago. And you're going to hear his experience of Ham from over here. And you're going to hear his experience of the other two brothers from over here. And it's fascinating to think about the impact we have when we come from that place. Take a look at this video. My name is Ronald Davis. I've been on the street for about a year and a half now. Well, I come from the suburbs. It's life, you know, which is 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 is, is rough. And uh, I mean, I didn't slept in Lower Wacker. I didn't slept on the bridges. I didn't slept on the in little cardboard boxes and stuff. You know, just surviving, especially in the wintertime, is the hardest time. And like. Uh, I go to fill out like applications for a job and stuff. They look at me, you know, I'm not looking presentable. And then they, well, we'll call you, leave a number. But how can I leave a number when I don't have a phone? So I, it's just a struggle out there. You know, I just, you know, from day to day, people, uh, I come out here and panhandle with my cup. Right here at the Metro train station, people come off bringing me sandwiches and stuff like this here. And uh, I start out in my morning about 6 o'clock. You know, sometimes I don't even have enough to go to the flop house. You know, sometimes the flop house is a cheap place and they number 16 bucks for 24 hours right over there on Clark and Van Buren. And uh, a lot of times I don't have enough money for that, so I had to end up sleeping in the park or on one of these benches downtown or something like this. And then the security guards come and run you off about 5 or 6 in the morning. So by 6 o'clock I started the panhandling and trying to survive. 
And uh, like I said before, some days I don't even have enough to get around, so I just sleep on the sleep street. But I depend on the people that's coming off the train because most of them I give them respect. You know, most of them like me. They come out and give me clothes and food and stuff like this here so I can survive. Give me a few bucks and everything, and I add it up at the end of the day and get me a little room for the night. And whenever I'm not fortunate enough to get the room, I just sleep in the street wherever I can. It's really humiliating to be shaking a cup 24 hours a day and people just look at you like you're some kind of little bum, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I have had people to walk past me and say, get a job, bum. And I said, wait a minute, I'm not a bum, I'm a human being. And And it's, and it's hard. But uh, after the end of the day, when when people go home and everybody get on the message train, and then my... And then I just feel so bad that I can't be going home. You know? I'm sorry. But uh, it's really emotional because... I'm really trying to get myself together and get off this tree, you know. I don't care what it's doing. If I can get a job and through this humility, you know, I mean, you just lose all your humility when you're shaking a cook begging. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, you know, I mean, you know, you can look at a person and tell if they gain your respect or not. You know what I mean? A lot of people look at you like you're just a, a piece of crumb. You know, I had one guy walk past me. And talked about me so bad, and then I just looked at him. I said, God bless you, sir. He walked past and went went down the street, come right back. And he said, you know what, man, I had a bad day. He said, I'm sorry for even calling you that. He said, because I know you're a human being. He said, would you accept my apology? I said, apology accepted. He went in his pocket and gave me 30 bucks and said, go get you a room and get you something to eat. You know what I mean? I mean, you know. No matter what people think about me, I know I'm a human first. And just because I'm down on my luck, don't give nobody no excuse to call me no bomb. Because I'm not. That's a, that's a powerful video. Because I, I think what it, what it reminds me of is that, you know, it, it humbles me to see something like that. It humbles me to, to realize, yeah, you know, there's, there's these worlds that I need to see. And, 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 you know, an angel's journey, an angel's perspective is able to see those things, folks. It's able to see those things. It's able to see the brokenness of life and the world. Did you notice the R word? He said what he most appreciated was when people offered him respect. And notice the reverent tone people said that in. It's beautiful. When people offered him just simple respect was just, I mean, it's beautiful stuff. You know, there are, folks, so many incredible pieces in life, so many places that we're an angel's journey where, where we can see like those things and we can, we can actually act certain ways. We can become that church where it weaves the two together. We can celebrate as well when life is working and when things go really well and brand new arrivals. Brand new arrivals. 
I just got this text. Welcome to the world, Jasper Joshua Cooper. And that's the way life goes. Angels, angels get to see both. You know, but here's the amazing space. They're in the space of heaven. And heaven can hold both. Heaven can hold both. And what I think we can do is we can teach our children this. I think this is so important. I think a lot of this world, we're constantly telling people to look at their own beauty and their own gifts, and there's nothing wrong with that. But an angel's journey is a shift, not about looking at just your own beauty and gifts, but looking, please say the F word there, but looking from your beauty and gifts to the beauty and gifts in others. Looking from your gifts out to others. It's where we're able to see that homeless man. It's where we're able to take off the virtual reality goggles and maybe put on glasses instead to better see. And by the way, if you bought virtual reality goggles for your kids, do not return them. Take them home, enjoy them. (laughs) But just take them off on occasion. Put on the glasses so you can see, so you can understand an angel's journey. There's a gravitas to all this, folks. And it's a gravitas that's not like really serious. There's a gravity to it, a weightedness, a centeredness. When we really understand the angel's journey and we take it on. And I just feel like the luckiest pastor in the world because I get to be part of a group of people who does that. So thank you. Let's keep going with an angel's journey. I'm now going to offer a prayer. You can say your own prayer, say the Lord's Prayer as you know it, or have a moment of quiet reflection. Rebecca's going to come out to a beautiful last song. And, and you know, if, if you're looking to sing with the song, as always, you're more than welcome to. So please join me. So Lord, an angel's journey. All of us, Lord, have known that journey, have been part of that journey And actually, Lord, a certain part of us knows that we are actually on that journey. Allow us, Lord, as that part to learn how to see. To see more and more clearly. To hear and feel the rhythms of life. The heartbeat that we share. That angel place, Lord, where we can surrender more and more into the arms of an angel, into your arms, the arms of those we love, the arms of a future filled with hope. Help us, Lord, to go from this place more committed, more dedicated to living it. Bless your name, Lord. Be with us this week. In your name, we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.